the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. About four minutes after Jimmy, well, Jimmy's voice is gone. He might be listening and going, you're doing a terrible job, Caldera. But think about this. If he loses his voice, he can still play harmonica. That's the key. I'm John Caldera in for in for Jimmy. So go to completecolorado.com. You can read my latest column. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm pushing 60. I can't believe I'm pushing 60. I remember as a kid, when the Broncos would play, my old man would turn down the volume, turn down the volume, and turn up 85K away. And I'd listen to Larry Zimmer and Bob Martin call the game. And they did this spectacular job. I remember the day Alan Berg was killed. I remember him being part of the community. I remember guys like Mike Rosen and Pete Boyles. They would would counterbalance what the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News would do. They were a force unto themselves. And talk radio is still alive. Thus, you and I are having this conversation. But, man, has it changed over the years. A lot due to corporate structures, hedge funds buying them. A lot due to podcasts and other things without commercials. And a lot due to just the collapse of, of the media. And part of me for getting to that nostalgic age of of remembering what talk radio was like and missing it so much, but I've hit it, and I really lament the power that talk radio used to have, and I worry that it doesn't. I remember tuning in to guys like Peter Boyles, and I would listen to him, and I felt like I knew the guy. So way back in, let's see, mid-1990s, when I was working to try to stop a tax increase for RTD, I, I gave the guy a call, and he was stupid enough to pick up the phone. And thus, a, a uh, very long friendship started. Let's see. See if we can grab Pete over here. <clears throat> see, and see if we can remember those glorious days. So I think about guys who are tied into Colorado talk history. And uh, Pete, you're, you're one of the kings of it. Well, you're, um, you're kind. I, I thought the piece was really well done. Um, you, the title was Talk Radio's Not Dead, but it's showing its age. I thought Talk Radio's Not Dead, but it's real sick. <laughs> yeah. hey, first, let me, let me yeah. ask you about this and make sure that my understanding is correct. Um, Denver has had this competitive radio market that so many other cities don't have because geographically we were located in the middle of nowhere, and so no other big cities stations would bleed into the Denver area, and therefore the FCC would allow more stations than if you're, if you're in New Jersey, you've got the slop over from New York, 
and you have very few local Jersey stations because everyone's listening to, to the other one. So it's my understanding that one of the reasons we have such a competitive market here is the geography. In, Do in, I have that one right? Yeah, in some ways. But remember, um, it's during FDR where they have to c- begin to control um, power. And no one was saying how many, like now we do have the limit of 50,000 watts on AM, 100,000 watts on FM. But that wasn't stopping guys back in the late 20s, early 30s. And they'd power up 150,000 watts and they would be in some small town in the Midwest and just crank it up. And What was uh, the station in, um, was it Chicago? I mean, 50,000 watts is a huge, huge station. And you can pick it up mm-hmm. on radios that don't take Batteries, old crystal radios sure. you could make out of your oatmeal carton uh, uh, cylinder. What was the station in Chicago that was like five hundred? I don't think they thousand ever, watts. They they may have creeped up, but everybody brought. Well, it was WLS, and its call letter stood for the world's largest store. It was Sears. Sears put oh, wow. the, the, the call letters meant things like KOA is the king of agriculture. Right. That's its designation. So, but they, and then FDR comes along and he wants to be able to speak to the nation and he wants to make sure that everybody can hear. So they have what's called, now interestingly enough, clear channels. And they put a number of uh, of stations on the air in America that were by themselves that had 50,000 watts. And one of them, of course, was here. And so you could get KOA in southern Montana. You could get it in Kansas. And so when Mr. Roosevelt spoke to the country, whether it was, you know, fireside chats or the war, he knew that he had the ability to get the the ability to get to everybody. And that was one of the purposes. But they also brought guys down and they made 5,000, like this radio station you and I are on is a 5,000 watt directional AM radio station. The pattern looks like a like a one-sided amoeba. And other ones like KOA just it's like a it's just spread out. It can it can hit anywhere. And the further to the left on the dial you are, the better your power will be. In other words, 630 KHW is a really good power position. 1600 on the far right, it's a little tougher. So I'm I'm, I'm pulling this up. WLW in Cincinnati, Ohio was for a few short years at 500,000 watts. Yep. Um, And they they had listeners in Cuba. (laughs) One of the first guys I worked with in the business worked worked in Radio Free Europe. Yeah. And uh, we would talk about it. He told me that, you know, they would move the... They move up and down the dial because Stalin, not Joe particularly, but his... Minions, Stalin's guys are trying to block Radio Free Europe, and they're trying to shoot it through. And they had Polish disc jockeys, and they had Hungarian disc jockeys. They had, you know, Serbian disc jockeys. And um, they had a date. I said, what What was the wattage? He said, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know. He said, we would walk into the transmitter rooms, and your hair would stand up. He said, they were putting out that much juice. So... That, and I mean, then, there were there were stories of people <clears throat> literally picking up uh, this five hundred thousand watt station, 
on in their, their teeth. bed springs and their the teeth. fillings in yeah. their teeth. Yeah, in their teeth, sure. Um, that just shows you how much. But then the government had, then the government began to rein them all in. But the Mexican radio stations that begin with X, they did not. And that's where Wolfman Jack and those guys came from. That they, what's the one in Tijuana? X, XERO oh, yeah. or whatever it is. Something and, like that. And, uh, and, and so I got to meet Jack and Bob Lee. My mentor knew Jack and they would, they told stories about, you know, Mexican border radio and there's books about border radio. Very yeah. similar to the pirate radio out in the UK. Yep. When the government owned the radio yep. stations, uh, these guys would put out barges outside the well, international. Uh, you know where they went? There was a ship that they called the Caroline after Caroline Kennedy. And then they would go to these old anti-aircraft platforms that the British built in the Second World War to try and catch the, the, the Nazis coming in. And they built radio stations on those platforms. What they did was they broke the BBC. Um, yep. they, they, it, it reminds me, it reminds me of what, what Uber and Lyft did to uh, the taxi cartel. Absolutely. So these pirated radio stations offshore... Uh, would beam in rock and roll music, yep. things that people wanted to listen to yep. instead of the you know the the symphony every night, and the BBC had to change. Yep. It broke them. Yeah. And the other the other legendary station in Europe at the time was Radio Luxembourg. Yep. And Luxembourg, they would play the Rolling Stones and they would do that stuff. And in fact, a, the Beatles, you know, you talk to the Beatles as if I talked to mm-hmm. the Beatles. You know, every night when when the Radio Luxembourg would play the Rock and Roll Hour or whatever, you know, they tuned in. That's oh, where sure. they learned. That's where they got yeah. their inspiration. They certainly didn't get it from the BBC. Well, they, you know, they played Howlin' Wolf and they played Muddy Waters and they played, you know, everybody and everybody. And um, and there were people that were smart enough to see what had happened. But the there's a the book is entitled "When Pirates Ruled the Waves." Meaning the airwaves, but they were the pirates. There was also, what was, there was a, a movie, uh, a pretty fun movie, uh, about one of these stations. Yeah, I, stations. I didn't like that movie because it wasn't well because it wasn't the book. I mean, the guys that went out there and 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 they raided each other and they would climb up on each other's platforms and try and put each other off the air. I mean, it was it was a lot more uh, intense than that movie led on. That's interesting. But they, well, let me let me bring you let me bring you to Colorado. And you know, again, I keep saying my my world is inside the borders of this state. Um, to in younger years, listening to you and Rosen and Larry Zimmer and all these other people, this was really affected how I thought. And I never dreamt I'd you know be befriended by these guys. And, and I have been. It's just been an honor to to know you and to know Rosen and and Larry Zimmer, who just passed away the, uh, the other week, you know, was just there was something different about radio. I don't want to say personalities, but how they were woven into the fabric of the community, the city. And my sense is there are. Everyone knew who you were. Everyone knows who Mike is. Everyone knows Bob Martin and uh, Larry Zimmer calling the games. I mean, everybody. Today, that's just not the case, that um, there are fewer people who listen to talk radio. I'm so thrilled that 710 here 
does what we do with callers. We just it's just amazing to have these conversations. There's less and less of that, and new generations just don't tune in to talk radio. But they've got their favorite podcasts instead. Well, talk radio lost its way too. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, when we began doing talk radio, no one paid attention to it. There's a now legendary radio station that I'm trying to write about, KWBZ. It was on South Broadway. Rosen, oh, yeah. Rosen broke in there, and that was the first place I did talk. And um, that's where I met Alan and, you know, so many people, Woody Page and Irv Brown and, all, you know, all those names of the of the time. It was run by a guy named Corky Cartwright. And uh, who's now gone, but John Mullins, who was the heir to, um, you know, Mullins Broadcasting. And um, it was, you know, the mother of all battles, we used to say. But that stuff happened there that um, really is only being chronicled today. But it was, and everybody was making their bones, but no one paid attention. Berg, you know, Berg would really run it out on the edge and pull stunts Um Literal, literal stunts uh, to get attention and got it. So, with Dave Logan, you know, sitting in every seat. At oh, no, that, was, that, was, uh, that wasn't Dave. That was um, oh. Come oh, on, oh, oh, Steve Kelly. Steve Kelly. There I'm you sorry. go. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve Kelly would do that. He'd spend Ke- a week but, on the top of a pole. But Kelly was an old AM disc jockey. Um, Berg's stuff that he did, he never did any physical stunts, he did verbal. And. Uh, I, there's an example that I'm trying to turn right about. John Mullins and I were going to lunch, and they had to know that radio station. It was just as primitive as they come. And we're walking out the door, and here comes the unmarked Plymouth. And two guys get out, and that's the, that running gag, but the man in the unmarked Plymouth pulls you over just to say hi. And uh, Alan had, was on the air, and was that remember the uh, the convention that was Jimmy Carter, but he was about to be usurped by Ted, by, Kennedy. by Ted Kennedy? Well, AB goes on the air and says, "How long before somebody kills him?" And it, people would report Berg all the time for stuff that he had done to uh, we call him Uncle Charlie to the FCC, and they they had come down to talk to him, and I you know and they said it to me, and I said, "Look, you got that guy in there." Come on, he's you know, he's spoofing you, you know, and that was the great sadness of his murder was he was he was spoofing more than he was, you know, he was he believed all the, you know, his his, his essentials, but he would push it out there just to get reaction. Talk radio. You, you came through talk radio, through radio and through wrestling and. and- well, I was doing a morning show with uh, Bob Lee. And it was a wonderful experience. I was a, I was the um, I was I was doing traffic and recreation reports for Dan Hopkins, and I started working with Bob on uh, Saturday mornings on KOA, and uh, we clicked. And uh, then Bob went with a guy named Bob Prangley, who left KOA to become the GM of Kaylee K, and um, they they brought me along to do the morning show with Bob. And that was the first hit show that I was involved with. And as I said before, I had no idea how to act, but it was it was a run. And that's when, you know, the the days of Lewis and Floorwax. Well, Lewis and Floorwax had not begun yet, but No, they hadn't. They had um, but 
you know, there were well, some, let me, there were let some me teams. Throw, sure. throw this out. So I came to you 1997 uh, because I, I was a listener. And I, I give you a call, something like this. I don't remember the specifics. And I say, what they're doing at RTD, because I was on the board, um, is is a con. And they're going to try to pass this tax increase called um, Guide the Ride. And, you know, I I don't know my head from my ass. And I'm like, but I got to tell people about this. And as Pete Boyles often does, he takes on a cause celeb, you know, a losing cause. And that losing cause was me. Uh, and because of talk radio, that election where they they spent, you know, a couple million dollars, we spent a couple thousand dollars, and we destroyed them. And it was the power of talk radio, the taxpayer bill of rights, term limits, things that went on the ballot. These reforms were passed largely because of the in-depth analysis and in-depth conversation and um, uh, that that guys like you would, would give it. Let me ask you this question. Sure. Do you think talk radio has the power to swing elections in Colorado the way it did two decades ago? No, but they think they can, and that's not true. I mean, Who's they? Um, many on-airs, hosts, I believe they have that strength, and they don't have it any longer, and they've squandered it. Frankly, they've squandered it by lying and all the things that go with that. And so it's the boy who cried wolf. And there's still many true believers. But this, this, when you this, say they're lying, what, what do you mean? Oh, come on. All, all the nonsense on Trump won, and I can go, there's legions of this stuff. And um, it's just, it's ridiculous. But it doesn't stop. And eventually, you know, people with reasonable IQs just simply walk away from it. And so it begins to diminish the numbers, and that cuts advertisers, and it's a um, it's the fireball chasing itself, right? And it, and it, it may it may come back, but not a, not not in the foreseen future. I don't see how it comes back in the age of podcasts. I mean, people still love listening; they they don't like the commercials, mm. but. What I, what I am most sad, one of the things I'm sad about on talk radio is the lack of callers. And what I mean by this is that a lot of stations are doing the, hey, text in sure. your uh, comment. And it's like, oh, don't text in your comment. I, no. I want you to call and no. let's have a discussion and let's fight it out. And, and I've heard you so many times over the years uh, have your mind changed by great callers who engage you and you guys fight and you mm -hmm. go back and forth and you come up with different points and then you go, you know, you might be changing my mm -hmm. mind on this. Or you, the you change theirs. Of, yeah. Or you that, change theirs. Talk radio, the magic of talk radio is that it's an instant two-way communication. Any Any idiot with a cell phone can pick up the phone and prove that I'm wrong. Whereas if you're on NPR or you're on a newspaper or any of these places, you, you can write them a letter. And maybe they'll read part of the letter on air after it goes through a committee of guys who who you're criticizing. But with talk radio, you can call it boils and tell them, here's why you're wrong. 
Here's how I can prove you're wrong. Here's what's wrong with your thinking. And you got it. You know, to have, um, you know, to have Dean Singleton just give you a phone call when you're trashing the Denver Post and the publisher of the Post calls you right up. You you don't get that on any other media. Um, that's that instant uncensored back and forth. And the Internet doesn't even do that. Yeah, and that that's that's the beauty of it, and that's what I miss the most. Well, and I wish more talk show hosts uh, took calls instead of doing the Rush Limbaugh thing of mm-hmm. of you know three hours of a monologue. And and Rush was heavily screened. Um, I I never saw him work. I'm, I'm a first of all, I'm a fan. I, when he yeah. passed, I wrote a column entitled Jeff Christie. That was his uh, top forty name. He be, he jocked under the name of Jeff Christie. He was us. He was a he was a true radio guy, you know. He had been fired off of jobs and done the name changes and all the stuff that the old timers did. Limbaugh did, so he understood the business. I mean, more so than most of what I listen to today. He understood the business. He was a true radio guy, and that's what made him great. But then, you know, he was he was heavily screened. In other words, and and. Although there were people that got on with him and disagreed with him, they were people that, as I've said before, you drag him out to the deep end of the pool and drown them in about five minutes. So Limbaugh knew exactly what he was doing. He was absolutely brilliant. And all of us should thank him because he single-handedly, you know, I, and the, um, the other one was Rosen. You know, when Rosen came on the scene, uh, we were all, you know, pretty much left or liberals, and Mike was the first conservative on-air guy. And, I mean, even before Limbaugh, Mike Mike was doing conservative talk. Um, And so a lot of it I attribute to to Mike, but the real explosion comes with with Limbaugh. And then everybody tries to be Rush Limbaugh. I mean, that's, again, these mistakes. But Limbaugh's one of a kind, yeah. Pete Boyles, my good friend here, talking about, Denver Talk Radio in particular, we've got to take a break. When we get back, let me let me ask you this one, Pete. Sure. What would save talk radio? Okay, cool. Right. What what would what would say in, in my mind, saving it means a robust local return. Yeah. Re- local uh talk radio that mm. really questions sure. everything that's going on in town, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, sure. you know, but really local stuff. Three oh three Six nine six nineteen seventy one. I'm John Caldera. Of course, you know that voice. It's Pete Boyles. Keep it right here. You're on seven ten KNUS. Good stuff. All right, I'm John Caldera. Thirty one minutes after talking with my friend Pete Boyles about the changing of radio, got a couple callers here too. I tell you what, let's 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 bring them in first. David in Arvada, welcome. You're with John Caldera and Pete Boyles. Hi, David. Good morning. Uh, okay, I, I I guess I'm the David, uh, but I'm not in Arvada. I'm in okay. Aurora. Well, I'm um, talking to David. Oh, no, in I, I, Close I, enough. David. Yes. Okay. David's one of those names. The year I was born was the most common first name for males, and Catholics don't have a lot of imagination, and so every time the nun at all or David, we didn't know which one of the five of us was in trouble. Really? So, Try anyway, a name like yeah. John. Oh yeah. Trust me. I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, back to talking about I'm, I'm almost Pete's age. I'm just a couple of years younger than he is. Um, 
I can't imagine growing up without talk radio. Back in the, you know, we had Joe Pine. I don't know if you remember him. I'm sure Pete does. I do. Uh, I, I and we had Les Crane out of the Hungry Eye in San Francisco. I, I was born and raised north of Seattle, and at night you could get. Uh, oh, I can't remember. K. Anyway, the, whatever the, the radio was on the top of the Hungry Eye, you could listen to them at night. And people like Les Crane and stuff, they were talk show on on radio. Um, and my history teachers and my math teachers were probably the most important people in my life after my parents because they gave me a reason to think. When other kids had KJR and rock and roll stations and stuff like that on, I had on my car, all I had was talk uh, show buttons pushed so that I could listen to uh, people. People like uh, Paul Harvey was on at a quarter to noon every day. Well, you know, and, and, the rest, and, and the rest of the story on, on Saturday and stuff like that. The the um, intimacy of talk radio is so much different than just spinning discs, which are, which is great. But yeah. you know you're spending hours, especially when you're young and it's late at night. You know, um, tuning into Art Bell or something crazy like that. It just it, it just <laughs> yeah, okay. it's just a weird thing. And and Rick Barber yeah. here in, in Denver for thirty some years. It was you know it the nighttime was. For talk radio. Hey, David, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's uh, let me let me let me ask um, Pete about this. So we're talking about talk radio. What do you think is going to save it? That is, keep it from. Yeah. Do we both agree that it's aging and it's it's shrinking and it's in its impact and its listenership? But if it, so, it, what's it, it, it? it it rises and falls in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, radio, commercial radio in America or in the world, for that matter. It's a phenomenon of the 20s. And in, a, in its salad days are during the Second World War right. and leading up to it with, you know, things like War of the Worlds and the, 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 the soaps and everything. And then television replaces that. And then there's this hole. So along comes top 40 disc jockeys. And, I mean, one thing leads to another, but it doesn't kill the business. And now the business is... Sitting here, like, you know, most of my mentors in the business were top 40 jocks. Top 40 meaning back, you know, when AM radio, when top 40 was ruled the waves. And um, that was diminished and went to music then goes to FM. And it leads it leaves a void on AM radio. And that void was filled by talk radio. Talk radio is a recent phenomenon in the business. And, yeah, there were the guys that, you know, the last caller was talking about, and there was long John Neville and, you know, one or two of these guys. But by and large, not an entire format. And some cities would have two and three radios, talk radio stations competing with one another. Um, and Denver, luckily, was one of those. Oh, it had KHOW and Talk, and this radio station, 710, was Talk, and KOA was KLZ Talk. KLZ was Talk. Yeah, and Cliz went Talk, and... Uh, so there was then what that, if you can imagine this, there's a dollar hanging in the air. And then there's four or five hands jumping for that dollar. And whoever jumps the highest gets the dollar. Well, that was ratings. And the, uh, the sense of ratings has, has gone away. And one of the things that uh, I think is totally missed is 
people getting behind the microphone and thinking they're on a mission from God. And in fact, we were always told we're here to make money. Right. I'm, I'm not making it up, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, when I listen to... Which, um, which is why I think conservative talk worked. Liberal talk radio, which was um, commanded from the top, conservative talk radio kind of grew from the it bottom. It didn't work. I mean, it frankly... It didn't work. People... It, they had lousy know, talent. Well, and they couldn't handle the phone calls. <laughs> no, I'm saying to They you. couldn't argue. No, there was an attempt here. Actually, there was a couple of attempts, and they, they failed miserably, and they were expensive failures. But they did so because, number one, they had, I think, they had lousy talent. Number two, they had lost, you know, the, the, the targeting that what we're here for is to make money. And as soon as that's lost, and there's a lot of, you know, I'm here on a mission, then you're going to get beat worse. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, could it go all the way to ground and then, like the phoenix bird, return? Yeah, possibly. But you can't let it go too far. You know, there, there are a couple things that terrestrial radio will always be there for, I think. One is emergencies. When, when the lights go off and your batteries work, the Internet might not. But you, you'll be tuning into radio to talk about... Uh, those issues. And I think the only thing they really have that works is sports now, because sports huh? are live. The sports and is betting now. Now it's all betting shows. It's, um, yeah, there are the talkers, you know, Dave Logan and stuff like that. But by and large, if you listen to sports talk radio, it's much like religious radio. Religious radio, you the, the um, whomever hosts the show is a broker, buys it, Right. from the radio station, like this radio station or the one down the hall. Well, as sports talk kind of went its way, then along comes these, you know, um, these betting houses. And what they're doing is they're paying the parent company 300 bucks an hour, or whatever the number is, to buy that hour. And then they, they shill their, you know, their, their, their Yale lock, you know, their bet of the week or their bets. And then you pay them to get that, you know, that information on what is the, you know, the bet of the week or the bet of the day. And so just like religious radio, send me $3 so I can continue to save these sinners. Well, it makes money and um, don't let them kid you. It's their, their money making operations. Does local talk make money today? Uh, Not like it did. But, Why not? Well, I think they've just diminished it. I mean, it's um, it can only take so much, uh, and it's so repetitive, and so it's like I called it, a, it's angry white guy radio. Right. One angry white guy replaced by another angry white guy replaced by another angry white guy. And it just gets old. I mean, it's, I'm today, we're doing, um, did you see the video of the guy on his motorcycle? No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. John. But then the more I went out and looked, there's tons of this stuff, these challenges. So a longtime friend of mine, uh, he owns Erica Motorsports, and John Beldock, who was a racer, been to the Isle of Man. He, owns, he, he sells Ducatis. He's coming on the show. And then Brother Jeff's coming back with uh, Leanne Wheeler. And we're gonna, I'm just finishing up this book entitled Find Me the Votes about Fulton County. And now, of course, uh, Fannie Willis has now been found or admitted that she's had this relationship with 
uh, a, right. guy, a guy. I mean, so that kind of stuff, I think, to me, is really good. Modestly, he says, good talk radio. Books are always great, but you've got to read the guy's book. Um, you what know, I, you can, what you I can. love about talk is the local aspect of it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the part that I miss so much is everything gets syndicated. And mind you, there's a lot of great syndicated shows, but they'll, they won't talk about what's going on in Lakewood. Well, here's what happened. Sports talk is the best example. Um, they put these legendary sports talk syndicated shows on. They don't, unless the Broncos are doing well, they don't talk about the Broncos. They don't talk about the Nuggets. They don't talk about the Rockies. They don't talk about – they did CU buffs because of the coach. So here you are. You live in Denver. Do you really care about the New York football giants or, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys? No. But if you're betting, you, right. do, you do care. And so – Mm. You know, so fascinating. No, I'm, hey, let's let's grab a couple of these these right, calls. Sure, of course, while they're while they're hanging on here, let's let's go to Evan in Denver. Hey, Evan, you're with John Caldera, Pete Boyles. Yeah, you've got the dynamic duo on today, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> sadly, sadly, I'm still Robin in tragically. This, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a guy who's done, I've done talk radio now for over 25 years. Uh, and I've never had a contract. I've never, never had a piece of real estate that was my own. I'm, I am the constant bridesmaid to to Peepoil's always being the bride. Huh. <laughs> I semi understand. Uh, the last time I was, I, I got on. I was uh, complaining about the wolves. I was talking to a friend of mine in Bellevue. He said uh, apparently we're now we're thinking about grizzly bears, uh, which is another step I think toward insanity. But uh, the thing I do like about uh, talk show, and I cut my teeth on uh, KSFO out of San Francisco years ago in the Bay Area, and I did pick up on Art Bell, and I still listen to Coast to Coast. Miss Peter, I don't mean to interrupt. Do you want a great Art Bell story? I, I was his follow. In other words, he was my lead at, K, uh, at KHOW. He was from uh, coming out of Nevada at night. Yeah, coming at yeah. one o'clock and oh, end and, at five, right? Yeah, and then I would come on the air, and we got into this shirt tail relationship, and he would cross over every once in a while with me, and would, um, and it, it dawned on me um, he was a true believer. In other words, he wasn't, he wasn't. This he wasn't, wasn't faking it. it. No, it wasn't a kayfabe. He was, he was a, he was it was it was, it was a shoot. And so, by the way, nobody nobody on air could say things like. So after the anal probe, what did the aliens oh, do without, without <laughs> cracking a smile? So, so he's selling a book. I forget the title. And he's going to Barnes & Noble on Colorado Boulevard. And they had a bunch of cops and everything. And he said, would you come be with me? And I said, well, I'd never met him. And I said, well, yeah, sure, I'd love to. So there were so many people in a line getting into Barnes & Noble. John, um. There was a guy in the line with a bell jar, with a human brain in the bell jar, <laughs> not making it up. So we, I, I go in, they bring me back through the warehouse, he's, and he takes a break. And we go back, and he's, he's got a truck full of books he's selling, and his wife and his son. And he's a, he's, a, he's a heavy smoker, you know, we're standing out there talking. The guy got it. I mean, I, I've told people, I said, you want to see somebody that got this business? Art Bell. One of the things, uh, Evan, we'll get back to you in a second. What's great about late night, and I did late night at KOA for oh, about a decade, um, 
And um, Art Bell, uh, 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 Rick Barber, put it beautifully. I said, how did you survive so long in this? Because management always comes, and every two years there's a new guy, and they change up everything. He, his quote was, oh, they leave my show alone because yeah. it's like the couch you don't want to move for fear of finding what's underneath it. Cool. <laughs> All right, Evan, go go ahead, Evan. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I love listening to you. Uh, uh, my interest is always, I can at least once in a while get my two bits in on what the devil's going on. I do not take the Denver Post. I do not read it. I do not have a TV because once you sit down in front of a TV, your brain is locked in. And I'm usually waiting for the bottom of the hour or the top of the hour to see what's coming on next. So I just don't have one. Of course, I'm an anachronism anyhow, so I fit right in. But uh, listen to you guys separately or together as the dynamic duel, you know, generates about two million questions that you can never get in. I do listen to Jesse Kelly. The trouble with Jesse Kelly is, yeah, you'd like to say something, but you can't get on. So why bother? You know, that's about it. And I'll just put in one more plug for don't really want grizzly bears coming in along with the wolves, but there's nothing me, I can do. But we have the anti-grizzly bear thing as well. Hey, I got, we got no, to run I'm going to add something to us, if I might, yeah. John. Um, the operators that don't take calls, there's a fear factor. You don't want to get confronted. And I've often said, you know, as much fun as we have with Kyle Clark, Kyle Clark never takes a call. And if Kyle Clark had to do his newscast and then do what we're doing right now, take some calls, we'd see what kind of a guy Kyle Clark really is. But these guys who have isolated themselves in in radio, some of them are my friends that won't allow anybody to get in. Oftentimes they're afraid. They, that they couldn't handle. See, I what, love the conflict. I love absolutely. I love the, I love the argumentation, John. not the nasty yelling back and forth. That's why you but do the it. true ch- challenging of ideas yes. and and being open to being wrong and to convince people. That's sure. that's the beauty of talk radio. All right, let's take this quick breather. Yeah. Pete Boyle's with me. I'm John Caldera. In for Jimmy. Keep it here. Seven ten KNUS. Only well, got eight minutes to the top. Pete Boyle's with me. I wrote a little column honoring late great sportscaster Larry Zimmer, who was the voice of the Broncos, voice of the Buffs. I remember turning down the radio as a kid to listen to he and and Bob Martin do the calls, and really got me thinking about just how much talk radio has changed in Colorado. Maybe it's just what every old guy goes through. I remember when, but for me, talk radio was a political powerhouse, and. I just loved that, and Pete Boyles was one of those incredible uh, guys in 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 powerhouses of of it all. Let's see, let's let's grab it in one more call here. Who who's next in line? Is it? Should we go, to Fred? Let's talk to Fred real fast. Fred, welcome. You're with Pete Boyles, John Caldera. Good morning, John. Good morning, Pete. Hey. I'll be real quick. Number one, John, you'd be called a utility man in baseball. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's true. Number two, I started listening to talk radio back in the 70s because I'm kind of near Pete's age. But we listened to WJR out of Detroit, and the big gun there was a guy by the name of J.P. McCarthy. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was truly the big man. But number three, and this is what I'm really most interested in, 
you know, since Stefan has retired or gone off to a new job, I have lost listening to 710 for one reason. I like George Brockler in the morning. I love Pete when you were on. But now everything is, is syndicated stuff. So when it comes to time when I would have normally listened to, say, Deborah Flora and then Stefan and that, I started to listen to other stations because I want to hear local stuff. I can, get the, I can get the national stuff from 15 different stations from the same guys, but I think 710 is doing itself a big disservice by the lack of having local radio because that's what I'm more interested in is I want to hear the issues that are going on yeah. in our state. It's like losing the newspapers. It's a function of the money managers. Uh, when the radio stations fell into the hands of the money managers and they, they and studying economics, it's entitled or that's called shrink to profit. And so a lot of people's lives were destroyed by just greedy bastards that were running the radio business. Let, let, let me throw this out as well, that um, Reagan changed this and something that I thought was a change for the better out of principle. And maybe I was wrong that uh, it used to be that one entity could only own one AM and one FM in a in a metro area, in a, in a market. And then that got raised to, what, eight or ten? Yes, eight. And then all of a sudden, so, you know, uh, a conglomerate could have a station, one station here, one station there, one station there, but it wasn't all these stations. And then when Clear Channel started gobbling up stations because you could own, you know, ten, ten in a market and... Yes think you could economize them, that's when local talk really went away. We used to have WKRP, you know, mm-hmm. that sitcom where it was one stand-up station and they were competing against other one-up stand-up mm-hmm. stations and it was local competition. It was a beautiful time. The law changed that so that big companies could own lots and lots of stations. It, it was it was in many ways unforeseen, but you're right. But I would like to remind these these people Supposedly, in theory, these are the public airwaves. Owned by the people. Owned by the people. And, and the other thing is, because I'm not listening to, to Stefan anymore, or local, let's just mm-hmm. say local people, I have turned to now, and I'll be forthright, mm-hmm. I listen to Dan Kaplis. Sure. I listen to, there's uh, six, or, uh, uh, 560. I listen to a mm-hmm. station out of Cheyenne because they have local talk. I want to know what's going mm-hmm. on in my community. So all I can say is if the big wigs want to keep my listenership as well as I'm sure a lot of other listenerships, you got to do a certain percentage of local stuff. Well, first, you know, first, first, you know, first, Danny does a good job. Number two, um, that's part of what's, if it, if it can save itself, if. But now that they've syndicated everything and anything, it's, they think it's cost savings, but it's exactly what you're saying. Well, the other thing ask, is, I don't know if has KNUS made the announcement of uh, who's replacing. Yeah, it's uh, going to be, and I was here Friday to cut a promo, okay. and I walked in. I just didn't it. want to spill the beans. Of oh the no, secret. we can. It's, but to it's, have it's Billy Jeff Hunt, Thorpe, Jeff Hunt, and, and Jeff Hunt yeah. uh, share uh, yeah. that is going to be some rocking great radio. Yeah, they're both. Is that going to be weekday? Yeah, Monday through Friday. Well, Monday see, then Friday, they're going back morning. to some common sense. Well, I've said enough, but that's all I wanted to thanks, say. Brother. Hey, thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Hey, John, that was cool. Pete, you hear you hear the music. I do. What's, what's the last word on your many years of talk radio? If you can um, find other work. <laughs> I want to know what? what boils. What? And get out of show business? What? <laughs> get out of show business is a line to a lot of jokes. All right. Check out the Independence Institute. That's thinkfreedom.org. Complete Colorado at completecolorado.com. I'm John Caldera. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.